Okay, so we said that tonight we were going to get started with uh, Pesukah de Zimra, try and make some uh, forward progress into uh, the parts of davening which uh, uh, hopefully people are a little bit more familiar with, and uh, hopefully uh, parts which are set on a daily basis and therefore understanding what exactly are the parameters of what exactly we're trying to accomplish is something which will uh, have immediate impact in terms of uh, enhancing our davening. So what we're going to do is, the, the, just the way that I ordered things as far as tonight, is first we're going to talk a little bit about Pesuket Zimra in general. What's the point of Pesuket Zimra? What are we trying to accomplish during Pesuket Zimra? Without getting into specific parts of Pesuket Zimra, but just overall, that section of the Siddur, what is its purpose and what is its function? And then, uh, depending on the time, so we'll go through, uh, you know, start going through a sort of paragraph at a time or a section at a time and understand what we should be thinking about and what we should be uh, considering as we, as we read through that, uh, that section. But the first thing is to understand just the idea of St. Pesukit and Zimra altogether. So where exactly does that, uh, does that come from? Um, okay, so the first thing is, as we'll start, it comes from the Gemara, but we're just going to read the way the base, the base Yosef goes ahead and puts it. Oh, yeah. So we say that this is the base Yosef at the end of Simon Nun. So he writes, he begins with the Gemara in Shabbos, the Gemara says, So one of the Amoraim says that I want my portion of reward, I want my portion of the world to come to be together with those people who finish halal each and every day. What exactly does it mean to say halal each and every day? The Gemara says saying halal every day is a bad thing. It's not a good thing because in a sense it, it cheapens it and you get used to it and it loses its, uh, its, its value. And the Gemara's conclusion is, is that the reward which he wishes to share is the reward with those people who say psuket is zimra which would literally be understood to mean psukim of song. So what exactly are the psukim of song that the Gemara refers to? Upirish Rashi. Rashi says, it's an interesting thing that Rashi says, but he explains psukim of Zimra is what? Shnei Mizmorim. It refers only to two paragraphs from Tehillim. Shalhilulim. Halulu es Hashem mina shamayim. And... Um, which really they have a number over here, but it's that's not really correct. Sorry, I didn't notice this before. They write over here Kufmem Hey. Kufmem Hey is actually Ashrei, and that's not the Halua Sashamina Shemaim. Sashamina Shemaim, I think, is actually Kufmem Ches. That's probably what it should say. They just made a mistake between the Ches and the Hey. Halua Sashamina Shemaim. Yeah, so it's Kufmem Ches. This is what we refer what in, in the order of the sitter, this of the Halalukas, this is number three. And then Halalu Kelbikad Show is the last of them. That's number that's the, the fifth of the Halalukas. So that is so according to Rashi, so Psukit Zimra is captures just uh, of the Halalukas number three and number five. And the Shibole Aleka, which is another one of the Rishonim. So he writes Masecha Sofim Mefarish. And that's what we say. That's what we would call Ashrei, where those initial two psukim come from. So we'll explore that uh, when we get there. But really what he says that the essence of Pesukim Zimra is what we call Ashrei, 
the five halukas, and that is what Pesukit Zimra is. So this Amora who said that he wants to have reward together with those who finish halal every day, what he's referring to is those people who say from Ashrei, from Kuf Memhei in Tehillim, all the way through the end of Tehillim, which is Kuf Nun, that's the final Haluka. So that is what, uh, what he says. Then the tour, he, in the next simon, so he uh, 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 mentions a different thing. And he says, the Gemara in Brachos tells us, this is a famous idea, that that anybody who says Ashrei three times a day, such a person is assured of having a portion in the world to come. Now, this doesn't mean they could spend all day eating double bacon cheeseburgers. And between double bacon cheeseburgers, you're just going to go ahead and say ashray three times a day, and then you're good to go. What the, the, uh, the preacher explains this means is that in the event that the person is sort of 50-50 anyways, and uh, there's nothing which is weighing down the, uh, the scale to one direction or the other, in the event that one of the mitzvahs the person does is he says ashray three times a day, so that will give greater weight to the side of mitzvahs, and that will send him into Olam Haba, but it's not like a, a master key which is going to get you in there, despite all of the averas which, which a person says. And then he says, the chen dar Reb Simlai, Reb Simlai, there's a tour continuing, Reb Simlai teaches, the person should always first go ahead and arrange praise of God and only afterwards say Shmon Esrei. So as we know, you don't want to just jump into a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the middle of Shmon Esrei. First, you want to go ahead and you want to begin with some praises of Hashem. And only after doing so, is it appropriate to then have that private, intimate conversation with God. And for that reason, Everything we said until now about the value of saying Pesukit Zimra, so Lav Davka would that have to be specifically before Shmon Esrei? Maybe you could say Shmon Esrei, and sometime mid-morning you'll get around to saying uh, Ashrei in the, uh, the Halalukas. Who says that Ashrei and the Halalukas should be done before Shmon Esrei? So that's why we have this teaching. The tour mentions this teaching of Reb Simloi that you want to go ahead and do so because that's a, a, a way to prepare yourself for a more meaningful conversation that you're going to have with the Kodesh Baruch Hu in Shmon Asrei. And that's why it was enacted there. And being that we're doing something which is we're arranging these praises of God, he says, and therefore, sorry, he says that in order to sandwich these praises between brachas, so Baruch Shamar is considered to be the bracha which we say before the praises, Yishtabach is the bracha which we say afterwards, and sandwiched in between Baruch Shamar and Yishtabach is the essence of what Pesukit Zimra is, which is Ashrei and the five Halalukas. So that is the basic structure which we have as far as what we're, what we're doing in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Pesukit Zimra. Then, Another idea which they mention is, um, uh, this uh, brought down in the name of Yesoda Yeshurun. I don't know who exactly that is, but he writes, he says, being that davening, the Shmon Esrei, was enacted to be a replacement for the actual Korban itself. And that's something that we talked about at length. The sheer Ma'akev is a Korban. 
And we know when we've had this uh, recently in the uh, in Dafyomi, it's going to come up again in Tainus. And that is that one of the things which were an essential part of bringing the Korban was the singing of the song. If you remember, those who do Dafyomi remember that they made an enactment not to go ahead and accept witnesses who saw the new moon too late in the afternoon because one year that or one month that led to singing the wrong song. And that was considered either they skipped the song altogether or they sang the wrong song and that was terribly offensive. And therefore, since singing is an essential part of bringing the korban, so since we're not going to sing while we're saying the silent Shmonasri, so for that reason, we go ahead and we sing these mizmorim, we sing these songs before we say Shmon Esrei. So that Shmon Esrei shouldn't be a standalone by itself, but it should, be, it should be said in the context of song. And that is another reason why we are going to go ahead and we're going to say these prayers. And as we're going to see at various times, the, uh, the postgame and the commentators explain that different sections should actually be read in a tuneful manner rather than just something along those lines, chanting it, uh, it quickly as uh, when I was younger, as only older people could go ahead and do. But as I get closer to that older age, I still can't go ahead and, and read the way those people of my youth used to, used to go ahead and do so. But no, no, maybe there's uh, you know, still time for me to grow and mature into that, uh, into that process. Now, there is another fascinating uh, uh, idea, which uh, which I uh, which I came across uh, as I was preparing, and this comes from the Avudraham. The Avudraham, so as we talked about, so he is one of the first to go ahead and, and authoritative to go ahead and comment comment not only on the halachas related to the sitter, but the meaning of individual prayers and why we say them and different interesting things about the wording and the way they are constructed. So he says. And I hope I'll be able to follow along in what he writes. But he writes, And this is why I say it, because this gives an overview of all of Pesukit Zimra. So he says that in what we, what we have is Pesukit Zimra, and it's very similar to what we say, he says there are hints to the 10 utterances, utterances with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. So what we're going through as we go through, as we make our way section by section through Pesukah Zimra is we are reminding ourselves of God's hand in creation itself. And this is moving us, if you remember, in the work of the world of prayer, where he divided the sitter into four parts. So Birchas HaShachar was number one. That's the immediate uh, uh, um, uh, needs of the body. So that's why Birchas HaShacha revolves around the appreciation of being able to see, being able to sit, being able to stand, being able to walk, all of those things. The second section, part two of the four, is Pesukit Zimra, And this is where we see God's hand in creation. Part three, uh, Birchas Kriyashma, is where we see God in the spiritual realm. But part two, Pesukit Zimra, where we are now, is being able to see and acknowledge and appreciate God's role in the physical universe itself. So it's, it's not by coincidence that we're going to find a hint to the 10 utterances with which God created the world over the course of Sukkot Zimra. So that's why I, I think it's an important thing to, uh, to be mindful of. And he says as follows, Ketzat. He says, how exactly does this work? So he explains, Baruch Shamar v'haya ha'olam. So we open up Baruch Shamar. This we actually have over here. Let me see if I can pull it up. on the screen there? 
as I scroll down? Yes. Okay, excellent. So we begin. The first one is Baruch Sh'amar V'haya Ha'olam. So we, we, we say, blessed is he who spoke and the world came into being. So he says, this corresponds to the very first utterance of creation, which was, bar elokim So the very fact that God created the world, everything else the Gemara says, there's nine times that God actually speaks. And he says, yehi, that there should be, something should come into existence. The 10th utterance is bracious itself. So this phrase, Baruch Shamar Vahaya Olam, that corresponds to that first utterance with which God creates everything. Then he skips along the way. He skips all the hodus. The next thing he identifies is Mizmor Lesoda. So in Mizmor Lesoda, this paragraph which you have over here, so this corresponds to the Mimer Shani. This corresponds to the second utterance, which is um, Yehi Or. That's where Hashem said there should be light. And uh, all of mankind gives thanks to, uh, to Akash Baruch Hu for having created light. Uh, and he says, and therefore, being that, and this one is a little bit of a stretch, but being that the totality of mankind expresses appreciation, which is the word hoda for the fact that Hashem created light. So he says, therefore, al-kein kol adam chayv and therefore in Lesoda, we, oh, sorry, moved it over. Lesoda is Thanksgiving having nothing to do with what's coming up in a couple of days, but it's Thanksgiving in terms of giving thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for having created light, which all of mankind benefits from light. Then, number three is, in the paragraph of Yehi Chavod Hashem Olam, that the honor of Hashem is going to be uh, endure forever. So he says, this corresponds to the Maimer Shlishi, the third utterance, which is, Yehi Rekia Besoch that there should be a firmament, a firmament that's going to exist in, in the middle of the waters. And that firmament is going to separate between the upper waters and the lower waters. And he says the fact that there's going to be now this separation between the spiritual world above and the physical world below. So this itself gives honor to Hashem. He's focusing on the word kavod. He's focusing on the word kavod. God's throne is now going to find itself located in the upper world. And this now uh, gives organization to the chaos. Originally, the world was tovavohu. It was of chaos and void or whatever. Everything was all mixed together. And now by creating these separations, so now things, the orderliness of the world is now coming into being. And that gives kavod to Hashem. Then the next thing we have is Ashrei. So Ashrei, we say, um, right, so we begin with the words, Ashrei Yoshve Vesecha. So fortunate are those who, I don't know why there's no tr- translation for this. Oh, it's all the way up here. Bad editing on their part. So fortunate are those who dwell in your house. But the main key is over here is Yoshre. So he says this corresponds to the Maimur V, the fourth utterance, which is Yikavu mitachas el makom echad. They are the waters uh, that are now cover the earth should gather into, let's just say for simplicity, into the oceans. hayabasha. And now dry earth now becomes revealed. So the only way that you could have 
the only way that you can have people living or being able to sit on a location rather than bobbing along in the water, treading water, is if there is dry land. So the very fact that we say ashray, that reminds us of the fact that there is such a thing as dry land, and that is the fourth of the, the utterances. Then the next thing we have is the first of the halalukas. So here in the first of halalukas, so we say, um, this is uh, in the middle. We say, "No sen le- no uh, no sen lechem l'reivim." Like Rosh Baruch Hu goes at and gives bread to those who are hungry. This corresponds to the fifth utterance, which is "Vayomer Elokim." Hashem says, "Tachei haaretz desha esev mazria zera pri osepri." So this is where God brings vegetation into the world. So this fifth, uh, the fifth utterance relates to vegetation. And that's now the fifth part of Pesukah Zimra, where we acknowledge the fact that Gashbaruch is the one who brings vegetation and food, which grows from the ground into the, into the world. Then the next thing we have, the next Halalukah, is where we say, um, where we have the idea of Monem Mispar Kochavim. Because Baruch Hu goes out and counts out the stars in the heaven. This corresponds to the Maimur Hashishi, the sixth utterance, which is Yihim Oroz Hashamayim. That's what Akash Baruch Hu says that there should be stars and planets and constellations in the heavens. So that's what we are highlighting in this particular paragraph. And then we say the next Hallelujah is Halulukha Shamayim. So this is, and in here, we go ahead and we mention, highlighted there, that we give praise to Hashem from the land, which, which they translate as sea monsters and all that dwell in the depths. And this corresponds to the seventh utterance, which is, so that's where living creatures First, come into existence, especially those which are uh, which are in in the sea. So that is going to be number seven. Then the next one we have over here is Shul Hashem Shir Chadash, where we go ahead and we say that the pasuk says. Um, right. Um, so this is here is also it's a little bit of a. Uh, of a stretch, where we say that this song is going to correspond to, he says the, the eighth utterance is where it says, nefesh So this is where creatures of the land come into existence. And he says, well, I'm just going to read the way he writes it is, he says, So this is great piety. They are the honor of Hashem over here. Maybe he's emphasizing the fact that it's the Kal Hasidim that's going to emerge from the piety. They are the creatures which are created. They generally do not intermingle with other creatures. So dogs mate with dogs. Dogs don't mate with cats and uh, onward and onward. So that is going to be the uh, eighth section. Then the last of the Halalukas is over here. We say... Well, I guess we'll go from the end over here. That all living creatures are going to go ahead and praise God. 
And this corresponds to the Maimar Hachi, which is Nasa Adam Bitzalmenu. We should go ahead and we should create man in our image. So the living creatures who are going to praise God are humans who have the capacity of speech. It's not going to be any of the other creatures that, that we refer to. So that corresponds to the ninth one. And now he says, skips Baruch Hashem Laolam. And the next one is going to be in Vayavarch David. So in Vayavarch David over here, we have the phrase, Be'ata Moshel Bakol, here it is, that you rule over everything. So that term of that you are the ruler over everything. So he says this corresponds to the 10th mimer, the 10th utterance, where Hashem says, he says to mankind, that you're going to go ahead and you're going to multiply, you're going to procreate and you're going to multiply, you're going to fill the land and you will conquer it. So conquering it and being Moshel Bakah, Kaddish Baruch Hu being the supreme ruler over everything. So even though mankind has uh, supremacy over everything else in creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Moshe Bakol, he's the one who's going to be in charge of, of everything. So here in this, uh, this, uh, this explanation of the Abu Dram, so as we said, he goes ahead and he lays out a, an inner structure of all of Pesukah Zimra, how all of Pesukah Zimra reminds us of the very process of creation itself, the ten utterances of creation itself. Probably worthwhile at, uh, at some point to actually go into your sitter with a pen and mark off, you know, the uh, the ten utterances, what they correspond to, so that we should be able to keep that uh, keep that in mind. Then, the last thing that I want you to know, as far as that, before we start moving on to specifics, is um, another reason why we go ahead and we say Pesukah de Zimra. So one reason we said had to do with being uh, amongst those who say halal every day. And, not, uh, and uh, the reason why we do so beforehand is because we want to go ahead and we want to tap into, we want to prepare ourselves for Shmon Esrei. Another idea was that being that the tefillah, which we say Shmon Esrei, that we say uh, is a replacement for Karbanos. So they're also, when they would bring Karbanos, they would go ahead and they would accompany it with a song. So therefore, we want to go ahead and have these, uh, the, the sing these, uh, these Mizmorim, these, uh, these paragraphs of Tehillim, to also have a song accompany the tefillah. And then we have the idea of the Avudram, which we just saw that we're trying to remind ourselves of the act of creation. The last thing is, comes from Tosos. Tosos in Brachos Lamed Aleph. He says, Chazal Paskin, the Chazal say that it's, it's inappropriate to enter into a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, mitoch kalos rosh, from a lightheaded perspective, in the middle of joking frivolity or something like that. El mitoch kovid rosh, v'simcha mitzvah. But rather it should be done with kovid rosh, meaning a serious mindset, a concentrated, focused mindset, as well as simcha shal mitzvah, as well as the joy of performing a mitzvah. Kagon shasav b'divir Torah, like a person who was engaged in Torah study. So that's a good uh, um, uh, preparation for davening. And Toso says, So Toso says, that's why Chazal came along and introduced the recitation of the reading of Pesukit Zimra, which includes Ashrei and the Halukas before we say Shmon Ashrei, because as we said, this is going to facilitate and this is going to help a person get into the proper frame of mind before, before davening. 
and that's why it was uh, it was introduced. Uh, that's why it was incorporated into the into our davening practice. Okay, so now now we could start to go to individual sections. So we go backwards now. So the first thing that we have in the Siddur over here is Mizmor Shir Chanukah Sabayis L'David. So we said Kaddish Durabanan, and then we say this Mizmor Shir. Now, it's interesting that, let me just get to the right place. Okay. So this uh, idea saying Mizmor Shir Chanukah Sabayis L'David, so all of us have grown up with that in our Siddurim. And that's something which uh, I imagine everybody grows up whenever you first learn to daven. So it was there in the Siddur, and that was part of what you were taught to, to say. But the truth is, is that it has a relatively uh, interesting history. So the tour writes that there was a minute to say this particular capital, specifically on Hanukkah. They didn't say it all year round. It was specifically said on Hanukkah. As we go ahead, and because you have the phrase at the outset, the Chanukah Sabayis L'David, Mizmor Shir Chanukah Sabayis L'David. So it's a song, as you see on the English side, for the inauguration of the temple. So following the Chanukah story, when the Beis Amitash was ransacked by the Greeks and it was defiled by the Greeks, and they went ahead and they rededicated it. So as a commemoration of that, to be mindful of that, so the tour says that they would, this, uh, this paragraph was said specifically on Chanukah. He doesn't, even, he doesn't say that it's before Pesach Zimra. This is after Aleinu in Shir Shalyom. They would go ahead and they would say this, uh, this, uh, this particular paragraph. But he says, this is, uh, but uh, the rest of the year, the Torah doesn't mention anything about saying it. And then he says, uh, listen to all this. He says, this, which I'm, this commentary which I'm using, he says, he says, if you look at Ashkenazi Sidorim from 150 years ago, we don't find that anybody said this paragraph, it was unheard of. You didn't find it in any of the printed Sidorim which came there. So he says, I found a German Sidor printed in the year Tuft Sadi Dalid. So I did the math. That would be 288 years ago from where we are now. So again, as far as Jewish history is concerned, as far as the history of the Siddur, 288 years ago is relatively recent. And he says, And we don't find that this paragraph of Tehillim was said before Baruch Shamar. And he says, He says, in all sorts of different places, you don't find that anybody was saying this. So somehow it, somebody decided to add it in there, and but it's a, it's a very recent addition to the Siddur. So why did they go ahead and do so? So he says, this author, this is a, a work called Makor HaTfilos. The author is Binyamin Yosef Friedman. Oh, sorry. Uh, Binyamin Ben Yosef Friedman. I just got distracted from it. I, I, ne- I never looked at the uh, at the uh, the uh, the Sharblot, the uh, the title page. So it says Binyamin, uh, the son of Yosef Friedman, and then he says Vishem Imi Hatsnua. He mentions the name of his mother. <laughs> so his mother would have whacked him upside the head if she didn't get a call out on the on the title page of his of his uh, safer. So it says the name of my uh, my mother was 
Samach Lamed Vav Vav Aleph, Silwa. I don't know what origin that is. I don't know what that name is, but that was uh, that was her name. But anyways, this is Rabbi Yamin Friedman. So he writes. Uh, he says, "V'efshel says Tams and Itakin Lomar Mizmor Shechanukas Lifnei Baruch Shamar." He says, "I can suggest a creative answer as to why it, somebody uh, decided to go ahead and add Mizmor Shir before Baruch Shamar, and that is." Because as we know, what do we say before the Kaddish Drabanan? We say the 13 uh, hermeneutic principles, Rabbi Shmuel, of Rabbi Shmuel, all of that. What do we say after the 13 principles? We say, So we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. So the last thing we said, before uh, uh, to end Birchas Hashachar is a prayer that Hashem should rebuild the base of Mikdash, and then from there, putting aside the Kaddishes, we say Baruch Shamar. And we say that there in the base of Mikdash, we will serve you like in ancient days. So the Fikach, so being that we mention the service of the base of Mikdash in ancient days. Therefore, they decided to add, somebody decided that would be a nice bridge. In between that is this uh, mizmor about the dedication of the, of the sanctuary. Because this paragraph also talks about the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, he says that it was something to go ahead and, uh, and do. And that's what uh, that's what he suggests. This author suggests is the reason that it was uh, that it was introduced. Uh, another uh, explanation which is given for this is he says from the um, uh, a, a very nice idea. He says Od Kasav Hatifer Shlomo. I don't know who the Tifer Shlomo is, but he said that, and he puts it more ancient than it is. But he says that the Adua, he writes, it's well known. What's the purpose of Sukkot Zimra and everything else which we say? Everything is to get a sense of humility before you're going to go ahead and speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You don't want to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu from a, a mindset of haughtiness or something like that, about how great and powerful I am. You want the opposite end of the spectrum. You want one of lowliness and humility. And therefore, Lachshav, you want to think about Beromamus Hakel, the greatness of God, Ubeshiflus Atzmo, and our own or your own lowly stature. Now he says, Ubavonosav Hamarubim. Now, being that part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to be reminded of our lowly state. So, being that some of us, not those who are present, other than myself, but some of us have many sins. Vina Yacholipo Lev Adam Legamre. So if a person starts focusing on how lowly they are, their heart could drop. You could like sort of flatline your thinking entirely. The Yomar and the person could think, oh my gosh, I'm so lowly. So what benefit is there in my tefillah? There's no way it's going to reach before Hashem's throne. And this is going to bring you all the way to the opposite that God is so high up and I am so low, there's no way I'm going to be able to turbo boost these tefillahs and be able to get them before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he'll even acknowledge that they happen. And he says, therefore, we go ahead and we emphasize 
this idea that uh, we say towards the end, um, we say, Mabetza Bidami. He says that um, what gain is there in the shedding of my blood? I can't highlight both of them at the same time. Beridity el shachas when I go down to the to destruction, I mean I go down to uh, to Ganem. Yodcha afar hayagid amitecha. Will the dust acknowledge you? Will it pro- proclaim your truth? So this is where a person is thinking very lowly of themselves that I'm so low and I'm so far down that it's impossible that you're ever going to uh, to go ahead and uh, and hear me. And therefore, we say that you should not think that because. Because Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "You have the ability to go ahead and change, turned my mourning into dancing." And you have loosened my sackcloth, and you have supported me with joy. Why do you go ahead and acknowledge me from that lowly state which I am in? Because so that in order that my soul might sing to you and not be still, that's below Yidom, should not be still, Hashem Hashem my God, forever I will thank you. So being that, what we're, we're, what we're entering into is to be able to acknowledge the greatness of God and in contrast to that, how low I am, one second, Ellen. So therefore, to make sure that we don't fall into the eight Sahara's trap in thinking that I'm doomed, like whichever one of those uh, cartoons used to say that. So I'm doomed and there's no hope for me. So in order to counter that, we begin Pesuket Zimra. We have this preamble to, to, to Pesuket Zimra where we acknowledge the fact that we could never be so low that Karsh Baruch Hu doesn't acknowledge and pay attention to our prayers. Yeah. What do you got, Ellen? So this section always bothered me a little bit because it always seemed to me like what we were saying was it's to God's advantage to keep us, to, to hear us and be gracious to us. Because if he kills us, there's got to be anybody around to, you know, to glorify his name. Um, right. And there's a similar section in Tachanan that also has the same The, the same sentiment? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I hear. I hear. I mean, there. Yeah. Um, when we swing back around and we get to individual parts of, uh, uh, you know, words and whatever, if we if we ever get to that, um, so uh, we'll, we'll explore it at that point. What the what the philosophy behind that is that uh, the, that question. It's an important question, uh, and I, and I am dodging it for right now. <laughs> I acknowledge 100% that I am, uh, that I am do- dodging it. Um, okay, we'll, uh, we'll leave that. Okay, so that is the section of Mizmor Shir Chanukah David. So at this point, we get to Baruch Shamar. So Baruch Shamar, as we said, so this marks the formal beginning of Sukkot Zimra. We said that this re- represents the bracha uh, before Pesukah Zimra. So you have a bracha before, a bracha after. And uh, so Baruch Shamar is that. So the tour, he writes, and this is one of those times that you see that, he says at the beginning of Simon and Aleph, he says, Baruch Shamar, Tzarech Omro Benigun Ubeni'ima. So he says, Baruch Shamar has to be recited with a nigun, with a tune, 
Ubeneima and has to be recited. Usually, we translate neima as like with pleasantly. So it also you're not going to be running through it. Num, 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 something along those lines. But it's supposed to be said sort of with some uh, some focus in some uh, some passion, some excitement. Why? Because this is considered to be a very precious, a very dear, and a very precious um, uh, prayer. And um, we say that and the same for that the Torah writes, he says, that Baruch Shamar, I never counted it out, I'll let you guys do that later, uh, that there are 87 words in uh, Baruch Shamar, and the way to remember that is, Rosho Kesem Paz. We say that I think we incorporate that phrase into Anim Zmiros. That his head has like this crown of, of, of gold. So Paz is going to respond is going to respond to that. And he says the uh, the Prisha adds that Baruch Shamar is the head, is the beginning of Sukhana Zimra. And um, okay, so that is part one. And then he says, Rabbi Yudha ben Yakar. So he takes note of the fact that, go backwards now. He says that, and here's another one of these, uh, these uh, the themes of 10. So he takes note of the fact that Baruch Sha'amar, uh, before you get to the bracha of the Baruch Hashem, so you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and then Baruch Shomo isn't going to really count, but you have 10 Baruchs, which are going to lead, which, are, which, which, we, which we mentioned over there. So he says, this also is So this is going to be, he also, uh, like the Avudram says, that we say the word Baruch 10 times over here, because it corresponds to the 10 utterances which we make reference to over the course of Sukkot Zimra. So here we, again, have these uh, these uh, these uh, the uh, this theme of ten which is going on. Um, that was um, right. So that is one thing to be uh, to be mindful of. And then he says, um, right. And he says it's also an idea. I, I never heard this one before. He says he says the reason why we're going to go ahead and make hints to these creation, the, the ten utterances of creation, with the word Baruch, is the fish and is Baruch Yisrael Because Klal Yisrael, over the course of its history, were blessed ten different times. So now you think in your head, where are we going to come up with ten different times that Klal Yisrael was blessed? So... Fortunately, the Rebuta Ben Yakar goes ahead and it spells it out for us. He says, He says, based on the Medrash Tanchuma, He says, Yaakov Avinu received five brachos. So we know about the bracha he took from Esau. But he says he actually got five brachos. Where did, where did Yaakov get five brachos from? Gimel Me'aviv. He says, what three were from his father? I imagine if we look up at the Medrash, they would spell out what those three are. But Yaakov received three brachas from Yitzchak. The Achas me Avraham. Yaakov got one bracha from the Zaydi Avraham. And another bracha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
So Yaakov has in his possession, it's like a, it's like a, a, a Bitcoin or something. So, so he's got five brachas, which he has received. Not something which is tangible, but something which has great value. The Yaakov Nasan the Yisrael Osan Chamesh Brachos. Yaakov went ahead and gave to Klal Yisrael those five brachas. Vahosi Bracha Shishis Mishalo. And then he went ahead and he formulated his own bracha, which he added to that. So he says, I hear your five, I raise you to six. So that was the sixth bracha. Umosha Birchan Arba Brachos. And Moshe went ahead, and again, he doesn't spell out where these are. But he says, Moshe Rabbeinu gave Klai Yisrael four brachas. So that makes a grand total. And that gives us a grand total of 10 brachas, which Klai Yisrael received over its history. And therefore, that's why, as we're beginning this, uh, this tefillah, that's why we're going to go ahead and we are going to uh, uh, begin with 10 baruchs, because we have this theme of 10, which is going through, uh, which is going through all of this. And then one last thing that I will share with you is regarding the origin of this tefillah. So this is something which is written by the Shla. So we saw the tour said that it's a very dear and very precious. Shir Na'av Nechmad. And now the Siddur HaShla, so he writes, Makor Shevachzeh. He says the origin of this praise, Kasev B'Tolas Yaakov. Also, I think it's a Kabbalistic work. I'm not exactly sure, but you see this quoted often. He says, that I saw in the Or which is one of the Rishonim, that this praise, this prayer of, of Baruch Shamar was enacted by the Anshei Knesset themselves. So the very same group of people who constructed Shmon Esrei, who constructed the Amida, so they also went ahead and they were the ones who composed and drafted Baruch Shamar, what was the basis for the composition of Baruch Shamar? A note fell down from heaven. So a file came down from the clouds and they went ahead and the, on that file, which just uh, you know, fell into their, their inbox was Umatsu Kasuba. And they, when they opened up that note, which fell down from heaven, lo and behold, Baruch Shamar was written there. So it came from the Anshei Knesset They're the ones who incorporated it into davening. And they got it from this note from, that fell down from the heavens. Uh, and he says, as he mentions also, the Yeshbo Pei Zion Tevos. So Baruch Shamar, as we mentioned, has 87 words in it. And he says, the Hamosif Ogorea If somebody tries to add, they say, you know what? I think this word would just enhance the overall feel. I'm going to add a word. Or if somebody says, I think somebody didn't do such a good editing job and I'm going to edit out a word. Why do we need 10 baruchs? We could get away with nine baruchs. So toa. So that person is mistaken. That's an error. And if you start manipulating the wording of baruch shamer in any way, shape or form, so you're messing up its original intent. And if you don't know what the original intent is, because you're not a member of the Anshek Nesagadol who received the note, and you are not the one in Shemaim who actually wrote the note in the first place, so you have no uh, right to go ahead and start manipulating and saying, I think that it should be worded differently. Because he says that this is something which is, uh, uh, which is, which is, very, uh, which is very precious and something which is very deep. And then he goes on Kabbalistically to describe it a little bit more, but that's what he says as far as Baruch Shamar is concerned. 
Okay, so I think we'll hold it over here with uh, completing the overall introduction to Pesukah de Zimra, Mizmor, Shir, and Baruch Shamar, and God willing, next week on Tuesday, regular time, so we will, even though it's, uh, it's Hanukkah, so we will begin with, uh, with, uh, with Hodu. Maybe next week, if, uh, depending on what happens o- over the weekend and whatnot, maybe we'll do something related to Alanisim, which is related to the Siddur anyways. So maybe we'll do an Alanisim theme for, uh, for next week. But either way, next week, we're going to, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick it up uh, from here. Thank okay, you, so Rabbi. don't forget, no class on Thursday. Um, Thursday is uh, not class. Hopefully we'll be at the, uh, the wedding. Uh, and I won't be there Shabbos, and we will see you, Mitz Hashem, on Tuesday. Be well. Safe travels. Thank you, thank you. Mitz Hashem, it should all be good and uneventful. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. No babies thank- this time, huh? What? <laughs> no babies this time. Uh, no babies on this trip. <laughs> yeah, n- none for us. Khan is due <laughs> almost imminently, Mirza Hashem, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. All right, thank you, everybody. You too.